0: I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your
1: garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Musil Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, man. How are you? Very well, very well indeed. Enjoying the sunshine. Oh,
1: look at you.
0: Glorious Berlin. Yep, yup. Uh, we're back earlier than planned. We are indeed.
1: Um, so, uh, yeah, we hope everyone stays safe and well. But, yeah, a little bit of a rejig on the Ringer FC schedule this week. So, Writers House is going to go up Thursday in the morning, UK time. You've got an extra stadio earlier in the week but then Wrighty's house is replacing that on Thursday. And then next week, Wrighty's house will be on Monday and then Stadio will be on Thursday and Friday to accommodate all of the games for next week. So we'll do all the Champions League stuff on Thursday and then we'll do all the Europa League, Conference League stuff on Friday and some other bits that are going on as well. So other than that, no more admin, really. Just check Wrighty's house on Thursday with you and Flo. And I'll jump on there briefly just to talk about Chelsea against Arsenal. Hmm.
0: I tell you what, actually, the most important admin of all—just be good to yourselves. Oh mate! Oh,
1: <laughs> oh, you got there. You're
0: are right in the fields. <laughs> <laughs> oh. some life admin fuel.
1: Wow! <laughs> how, how how's your uh, COVID? Not COVID. It's gone.
0: It's gone. Can I just say? Wow! I don't. You know, we should not worship Big Pharma, but Amoxil. Antibiotics did the- stop.
1: The, stop! <laughs> They're not sponsored. We can't we can't have big Pharma sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> All right. So today we are recording this straight after Liverpool against Manchester United. We'll do our best to touch on the other games that happened because there were semi-finals in the German Cup and the Italian Cup Coppa Italia. Um, we're also going to touch on a couple of bits that we missed. From the weekend, the Women's FA Cup, we'll talk about the Monday night games briefly with Barcelona against Cadiz, Napoli against Roma, Atalanta losing as well, and also then a little bit at the end about this Gerard Pique stuff that's come out in Spain. If you haven't heard about that, Gerard Pique's business involved with the Spanish Football Federation's deal to take the Spanish Super Cup to Saudi Arabia, and it's uh, it's all kicked off over there about that, so we'll, we'll do all that. So we've got a lot to get through. Shall I get into it? Let's do it. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! All right, man. Let's go to Anfields. Liverpool 4 Manchester United nil. No. How are you feeling? I feel
0: you know when you have like sort of the profound dental surgery, like the root canal, but you have the anesthetic, so it doesn't hurt yet. Oh my god. So it's the numbness after the deep surgery. And you know you know the pain will come because it's gonna wear off, but it's not there yet. So it's the numbness at this point. And what I mean by that is in relation to this defeat, there'll be a lot of anger about this performance. There can't be a huge amount of surprise. I'm always wary about apportioning, you know, too much individual blame when there's a golf this big, because you look at the way that Liverpool have played, two goals from Mo Salah, excellent finishes. Sadio Mane, again, outstanding, who was just on a run of form in these huge games that are just, it's just epic. I mean, it's difficult to remember a player who's really heated it up the last few months for both club and country by Sadio Mane. Luis Diaz, who I'm just now calling Silk Supersonic, like just in terms of his, the way he's slotted into this team so easily. And you have a team that has a plan. Everyone knows what they're doing. And there's one moment in this game in particular where a United player goes on a dribble. It actually happens a couple of times. Jadon Sancho did it and Marcus Rashford did it. And both times on these runs and there was just no attacking coordination. And I'm not calling it selfishness. It's not that. It's about coordination and chemistry and timing. And the only times United looked really happy in this game, Ryan, when they were attacking on the counter, when you're almost free because the pitch is broken, the game is broken, and you're playing like almost the schoolyard instinct where you're back trusting your talent. And it was so interesting that whenever United had to play a more complex game that required a breakdown, patient playmaking, they just didn't have the tools for it because to break down a team like Liverpool, right, you need different phases of play and switches and combination. You do strategy from start to finish from the moment your keeper gets the ball to the moment the striker releases it. It's no coincidence that United couldn't string together passes. I mean, first half, 64% pass completion, Liverpool over 90%. And the the iconic moment in this game, no coincidence that it was Liverpool executing almost 30 passes to score second goal. And that to me, that goal was the microcosm of the entire difference in two te- these two teams organizational point of view, tactical, individual, complete alignment from one team and complete disarray from the other.
1: Ralph Rangnick's team selection raised a few eyebrows before the game and he was obviously without Cristiano Ronaldo who missed the game because of the, I mean, frankly, awful yeah. news, the death of his,
0: his twi- yeah, twin newborn son, yeah.
1: son. So obviously, I mean, that's just a horrific thing to deal with. And obviously our, sympathies go out to him and his family because that's just horrible Mm. horrible thing understandably missing the game going back to the football side of it because that's why we're here and we are recording this straight after the game I think starting Marcus Rashford up top was an understandable yes decision Yep, from Rangnick however I don't think he really gave Marcus Rashford the best tools around him to really let that fly and for example I think that I think starting this three at the back was it just didn't really look like it suited Manchester United at all. It's not a configuration that they've they've looked. I mean, have how many times have they even played that that often this season? Not a huge amount. They have played it occasionally. It's the players in it as well. But but I think in terms of like what you're saying, like in terms of Manchester United, we're clearly not going to have much of the ball. They really needed to hit Liverpool on the counter attack. I think if you'd played Alanga and Sancho either side of Mm. Rashford that's quite a dynamic trio and then you also allow Bruno Fernandes to kind of operate in the position of the pitch where I think he he operates in the best
0: yeah I agree and you, and also you have you don't you, you can't have two impatient playmakers supporting a lone striker in this team you can't now Bruno Fernandes is many many things uh has contributed a huge amount to United's attack he's also an impatient playmaker just through his style and Ilanga mm. I think just doesn't have that deliberation he's just still young whereas Sancho is much better at controlling tempo
1: because if you'd had that three up top for example you could have put I know you could have played Matic, Pogba and Financi like the three midfielders Matic as the holding and then when Pogba goes off you bring Jesse Lingard on which I'm not entirely sure was the right choice for that particular substitution because it then just made United look I think even more disjointed and they were already a goal down at that point. So, I mean, maybe we yeah. should start... I think... Can, I, can we do something, actually? Because for Manchester United, I think it's going to dominate so much of the discourse. But nothing I saw from Manchester United tonight was a new problem mm. or anything that we haven't spoken about or known about for a long, long time. It was just yeah, an extension of... whereas Liverpool. Of. Whereas Liverpool were, again, I think just a continuation of the excellence that we've seen from them over the last few years under Klopp. Like, their fluidity... And some of the football that they played, like every single goal will be up for goal of the month or should be up for goal of the month actually because the football that it played, like the first one, the ball down the right-hand side and as as soon as that happened, Mm, United were in trouble. The ball hadn't even reached its destination and United were massively in trouble. Salah down the right-hand side, it looked like Trent Alexander-Arnold and Salah were going to fight over it for a little bit and then Salah, Got it, crossed it for Luis Diaz, finished at the far post. There was a little bit of a gnarly afters here because Trent followed up and booted the ball in and it kind of hit or brushed against mm. the hater's face. Um, it was all a bit. Yeah, but
0: Trent's on a bit of a mission because there's been a lot of talk specifically about his defensive qualities and he was again excellent. Mm. He was excellent. Some might say, oh, United offered no threat. This man handled Jalen Sancho with absolute ease. But Jalen Sancho running in any kind of form is not an easy proposition and he handled him. So, you know, I think he's answered some questions about his defensive um, capabilities, which I think, frankly, were always slightly overstated. I think it was easy to go at him for that because it was the only thing that was, mo- that, was, that was remotely mortal about his playing style. One thing I want to say about Liverpool as well in this game, because it's very easy to drop into kind of, oh, United, it's not really about that. Primarily Liverpool's performance. I want to talk about the, the passing and specifically the speed Mm. of the passing because superb second goal for Liverpool, I would say the pick of the game.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: 20 odd passes and then ball gets flipped into into Mane's feet, flips a superb pass over the top into the feet of Salah who takes the ball with one foot and then puts me, just glorious. The build-up to get the kind of spin you get off that is because the build-up of the passing. I think Matip hits a pass about two passes before where he absolutely rips it into feet. And here's the thing. See, that change in tempo, that change in tempo is something you only see in the elite teams. Because when that change in tempo comes, there's actually about six United players within about 15 yards of the ball. It's not like United are going, oh, we're not going to actually try and defend this. It's like the ball is being hammered through gaps Mm. at a real speed and tempo. And I think I wanted to mention that pass by Matip two passes before because I think it's an understated part of what makes this goal so fast and so special.
1: Yeah, I mean, all of their goals were just, they included passes that I was just watching it and just being like, wow.
0: Yeah, wow, well, yeah, wow. Well. And Thiago at the bottom of it all. <laughs> that's the thing. You know, we talked about this signing and how exciting it was in terms of his control of tempo and his ability to play the ball through gaps before they closed. And he is inspiring others in his team to do that
1: as well. So, I mean, we watched a lot of him for many, many years in, at Bayern. Mm. And in person, I genuinely think he's one of... I think I might have even said it on a really early episode of Stadio, but he's one of the people that I've seen in person. And for the first time, I was just genuinely like, I thought this guy was good watching him on TV. When you watch him play in person, it's a whole other level.
0: Because you get the full dimensions of what he's doing. You see the depth of the pitch, the passing, what everyone else is doing, where he's moving off the ball, all of it. It's another level, isn't it?
1: But again tonight, he was just... (laughs) He was just unbelievable. And there was a really amazing thing that he did after the game as well he was doing the post-match interview. And he just said, uh, you know, we're really lucky to have one of the best strikers around. And Salah's there with him and he just goes, winger. And he goes, oh, no, come on, you're a striker. The amount of goals you score. I
0: love that. That's so funny. I love that.
1: So, yeah. Salah's just like, no, I'm a winger. You're not getting away with so, that. goes just like, yeah. no, shut <laughs> up, mate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one's fooled. <laughs> there was a thing. He's actually got very similar thing to um, Modric, actually. Which is if you see him having that much fun that high up the pitch, you're in trouble. Then you're in big trouble. And it was about 15 minutes in. He's at the edge of the box and he does this amazing like hesitation and then like he like, does a he does he like, almost like a ghost thing, like fakes one foot and hits it with the other. And that was like he's 30 yards out. And I was like, yeah, see that shouldn't be happening there. If if you're playing well against Thiago, he's still inside the centre circle. The fact that he is encroaching to this point, yeah, it's done. We're toast out here. So yeah, we 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 got cooked. Manchester United got cooked, but most importantly, um, from a footballing point of view, you see Liverpool now, like their goal difference is really imposing and that puts serious pressure on Manchester City. And like, I don't know, I didn't. they've got their work cut out to win every game, Ryan, um, for the end of the season, City. It doesn't matter what you're running is, like one draw and the way Liverpool are going, the momentum they've got, You could back them to win all of those, actually. I think having the superior goal difference is a big, big shout out. It's enormous. It's enormous. Because it just gives City such
1: little wiggle room. Like you say, one draw if Liverpool don't drop any more points. I mean, but there's still a lot of football to play. There's still still 18 points to play for.
0: Crucially, they've allowed Salah to play his way back into form. And that Mm. was the one thing, that was the one outcome as a City person watching this game. You're expecting like Liverpool to win this, but you don't want Mo Salah to look something like his dangerous best now i saw some ratings he was the, is the player of the match i don't agree with that actually i actually think he was quite inefficient by his standards um i think there's a couple of opportunities in the second half where he didn't gather the ball cleanly uh well they did the have that half, spell didn't they where they, they kind of Thank was, you, I, I think
1: it was almost after about and yeah they, they kind of it was almost like they were fucking around for five minutes They were, which, they, you which, know, which, which is weird because i think actually that was the moment where i was like this is this, they is a sign of how, they this is a yeah. sign of how big the gap is at the moment. And this isn't yeah. to, throw, like, to throw salt on the womb of United fans or anything. But the gap, I've seen it happen to Arsenal sides plenty of times before where the team that you're playing against, where they realise after about an hour that they are so superior, mm. they stop their regular patterns of play and they just fuck around for five minutes. And then they realise, there was one really sloppy one where Sal- uh, Mane kind of just dicked around with it on the edge of the box and you were like come on man you, there, there, you could put like six or seven past this lot yes and then all of a sudden they decided to switch it back on again and and got the extra one at the end but I mean the, the do you know what's really cool about this as well so mm. the three starters up front Luis Diaz, Manet, Salah, all assisted and scored. And then Diogo Jota came on and assisted for Salah for the fourth. So just a complete performance by that entire front line, even the replacements who come on.
0: Really was complete, yeah.
1: There was a moment actually tonight where, and it's happened a couple of times recently, where I've kind of had to stop and remind myself of where Liverpool were when Klopp took over. Now, mm. I know they'd had that title charge and missed out, but... There was a lot of work to do. They were kind of vibey. Liverpool. They were
0: very vibey. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. And you sitting there watching this side, who I genuinely think are one of the best Premier League sides I've ever seen. Yes. Yes. I know they've only got one Premier League title, but if you look at the points accumulated, uh, Ken from Second Captains was talking about this last week, I think. The points accumulated between Manchester City and Liverpool over the last three seasons. Ridiculous. Unbelievable. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But just the way that they play, the, the, how. They just, they they seem to be like this consistently evolving nucleus. Hmm.
0: Well, look at their front line, for example. All the talk about how they replace Firmino and Jota came in. Oh, okay, well, oh, okay, we've got to that problem. Well, how about if like, you know, Mane gets tired? Oh, like, yes, straight DS. And, in there. Yeah. And like, you know, if, if Salah left tomorrow for whatever reason, or Mane left, you'd have solutions. You know, oh, like Curtis Jones is a great player, but how about, oh, Harvey Elliott, like what? What? <laughs> yeah. Like Man oh, City,
1: yeah. it's, a, it's a sign of how, how good Liverpool are is that Manchester City are about to blow apart their entire kind of model. really. Yes. The Van Dijk. That's signing. That's the their Van,
0: Dijk sign. that's their Van Dijk signing actually.
1: Yeah. yeah, it is. Like go after Holland because they know like, like the great thing about purely football wise, I'm talking obviously, what, peps man city do and what liverpool do it's kind of like having two of the most unbelievable bands around in completely different genres operating at the same time yeah yeah Her, like we've got herbie hancock and Jimi hendrix like rocking out in the late 60s you know it's it.
0: funny you mentioned that i was going to mention like pep Guardiola arriving in any league it's a bit like when Jimi hendrix played notting hill and yeah. it scares the hell out of everyone in the like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> either we
1: improve or we're done <laughs> yeah <laughs> So currently, Liverpool are top. They have racked up such an ob- obscene amount of weird stats tonight as well. Like, the stats that were flying around were just so wild. Was it like, Sadio Mane has now scored as many Premier League goals as Ryan Giggs but in 374 fewer games. Wild. Manchester United have now conceded more Premier League goals this season than 18th placed Burnley. And also there was another one, for, these are all from Duncan Alexander from Opta. Duncan the Great. Duncan the Great. 12% of li- all of Liverpool's Premier League goals against Manchester United have come this season.
0: Goodness me. That is an indictment, as they say.
1: But it's like we were saying on Monday, Stadio, how with the top four race, like there are many points to be dropped. And we said that this run of games now, because obviously Chelsea hosts Arsenal on Wednesday. I can't really imagine Arsenal beating Chelsea, to be honest. If they do, then that is a massive win for them. And then you've got Arsenal hosting Manchester United on, on Saturday, lunchtime, which could be utter chaos. Or could be the that equivalent is, of is, those, a chaos fixture for sure. it could be the equivalent fixture. of two sides that are so scared they're going to be like that GIF of the two kids doing karate and just not touching each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yes, night Chelsea next week. So the whole top four race could look completely different. Spurs are probably sat there at the moment being like, "Yes, yes, yes." <laughs>
0: yes. All is of it you very, lose. It's a claustrophobic arrangement, I have to say. It is. Can I say one thing about this though? Manchester United's decision not to appoint Antonio Conte, I look at that and like, people go, oh, that was arrogant not to. I don't think it was arrogant. I think it was fear of the scrutiny. You think? I think they were like, if they bring in Conte, because someone like Eric Ten Hag is, is, is it's a more patient approach to building. It's holistic. Conte would have come in and been like, you should be really, really embarrassed at the state of... Th-. I know that Ten Hag gave a kind of very frank thing, but he doesn't expect quick solutions. Conte would have come and been like, I'm actually embarrassed that you brought me into this. I think, and I think that would have been a fair thing, actually. I think the degree of the um, atrophy is only going to become truly apparent two seasons into what Ten Hag is doing when we first start seeing these players who are still at the club recovering from the poor situation, the infrastructure. And my, my real thought as the game went on and the kind of, I said, the most humiliating moment of the match um, came the third goal and Liverpool basically just like they just pat each other's backs like it was pick up basketball and like mm. if you're celebrating a third goal against United at Anfield like that the rivalry is, is dead for the time being when I saw that third goal going I just thought to myself do you know what I just hope these players the ones that stay around the ones that don't get sold on or move on I hope these players just get a season of really good coaching next year yeah. wherever they end up I just want them to have a season of really good coaching end up, let's say, mid-table or whatever. But as long as they just start showing, I think, a sign of, like, the joyfulness, the freedom in their football and the structure, that's kind of what I think United fans can look to and be like, we're, we're kind of happy with that, I think.
1: Mm. United have got to be prepared to take a couple more steps backwards. I think that's right. I think that's they right. have to. They just yeah. have to because yeah. this continually throwing very expensive Band-Aids on a much more severe problem mm. It's just not not working.
0: No, not at all. Not at all.
1: Elsewhere quickly on Tuesday night, there were some big, big games. There was Coppertalia semi final, second leg. Inter beating Milan 3 0 in San Siro, two goals from Lautaro Martinez. And then Robin Gosens off the bench with the most Robin Gosens goal ever at the back post, <laughs> crashing the far Smashing past. it in. Inter was super good, came out of the blocks. I had this on the dual screen while I was watching the. I, unfortunately, it meant that I couldn't watch Freiburg, which we will talk about in a minute. But Milan came out a little bit more. Ismail Benassa had a beautiful half-volley that got ruled out for offside because Kalulu was offside. Just, I mean, it, I could kind of understand why. I don't think it really affected Handanovic because there were so many other mm. interplayers in the way as well of the line of sight. But I suppose by the to by the it, law... You have, to, you have to give it. You have to. But it was a lovely goal, actually, and a real shame for Milan because if they got one back then, they were kind of in... Still a bit of maybe, time maybe, to maybe, back. Maybe it's hard for me to kind of say super accurately because I was watching, because I had it on, on, on my computer, but it seemed like they were entering a quite a good phase of the game for them. But over the two legs, I think Inter deserve to go through. Mm. And they will play the winners of Fiorentina and Juve, who play the second leg on Wednesday night. But Inter, there's a double on there.
0: There is, and they're decisive Inter. The, they Look, they're getting the job done, aren't they? Yeah. This point in the season, Good win over Spezia as well, uh, a club other teams have stumbled against. Like, they, they have the minerals at this point. So, yeah. I mean, I
1: genuinely, I genuinely think that where Inter are compared to where we thought they might be at the beginning of the season is... is oh, it's ahead. Is oh, without question. Yeah, so, yeah, without
0: question. yeah, without question. They've really genuinely. been further ahead. And I think also some of the other teams, I think, also I think that Milan and Napoli have kind of been a slight victim of raised expectations because they have slightly outperformed. Napoli, certainly. Uh, and I say Milan have outperformed as well, that they've leapt forward. Mm. I knew they'd improve, but they've really like, they've been quite startling in their, in their progress. So I think, weirdly enough, I feel, I feel like Pioli, Spalletti and Inzaghi would all be really happy if yeah. things end up with, does that <laughs> yeah. make sense? It's so funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really funny.
1: In the German Cup, SC Freiburg are through to their first ever Pokal finale in their history.
0: That's amazing for Christian Strike, isn't it? It's
1: unbelievable. They beat Ham. They beat three one in Hamburg. Uh, Nils Peterson, Nicholas Herfler, Vincenzo Grifo with three first half goals. Grifo's was a penalty. Haas Foul had a goal ruled out for offside also before halftime, and then got a consolation back right towards the end of the game. I am so genuinely over the moon for Freiburg and for Christian Strike because this season was looking. So unbelievable. Like they they were the, I think the last unbeaten team in the Bundesliga. They had the best, they had the best uh, defensive record in the Bundesliga for ages. They're still only a point off the Champions League spots. Yeah. And they are into the Pokal Finale, which is just an unbelievable, a genuinely, genuinely unbelievable achievement. And a club that for its resources is punching so much above its weight and you know I I think uh, Derek Ray gave this amazing quote when I did that Freiburg piece which I'll probably repost but just about how every single fan in the Bundesliga can't help but kind of raise a bit of a smile when you mention Freiburg it's respect isn't it yeah it is it is man and if with all of the kind of a lot of the grim business football football business stuff some of which we're going to talk about later yeah in the show going on Having a, having a club like Freiburg, fifth in the league and into the cup final is just... It's
0: everything in its right place. I genuinely it can't
1: really express how happy I really, really am for that club. Obviously, sympathies with highest foul fans. They've still got a of a Bundesliga fight on their hands at the moment. Mm. But they are a giant. You know, this is the highest foul have won European Cups before.
0: Yeah, this isn't the last time I'll be at the high table. I think the thing with Freiburg is that I think the reason why the success is so powerful is because they've taken their shortcuts to
1: it. Just one of the best dudes in the Bundesliga, leading yeah. one of the best clubs. Yeah. And um a great human. And you know, I just hope that that side wins something because there's already been rumors about how some of that lot are maybe on the move. Mm. Like uh, it looks like Nico Schlotterbeck might be on the way to to Dortmund, yes, yes, that's which is big annoying. Which is a it? great signing for Dortmund, by the way.
0: They got Sula as well. That is a serious upgrade for them. Sula and Schlotterbeck,
1: an extremely good upgrade. Yeah, but just a real shame that if some, if a lot of those players leave Freiburg, but but to be fair, their their ability to regenerate has been right. unbelievable.
0: And also, so. like you look at that club and think that's a pathway to another club if I want one. Oh. Dude, or or anyone, just to play if here. If anyone
1: is looking for a move, for a loan, for, for first-team experience. Oh my and, goodness, yeah. But, you know, have got to be the right personality as well. That's Christian right. Christian Streich will not tolerate no dickheads. He will not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he will not.
1: So yeah, congrats to Freiburg. Yeah. Awesome. Big, big love. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with some other stuff. Let's do it.
0: If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's
1: bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. All right, man. So let's touch on a couple of bits that we missed on the weekend. So first of all, Women's FA Cup semi-finals were last week. They were. Well, on the weekend. We were going to do them on Wright's House, but obviously with Wright's House being moved, we thought we'd do them today quickly. Chelsea and Manchester City are through to the final. Not massively unexpected. Chelsea beating Arsenal 2-0, Manchester City beating West Ham 4-1. Should we begin quickly with Arsenal against Chelsea? Because there was a massive moment for Arsenal not long before the goal. I know. Not long before the first Chelsea goal. Beth Mead had a great chance to give Arsenal the lead. And the
0: kind of chance she's been scoring this year.
1: Yeah. And it was a really well worked how she did it. So she kind of got the ball with her back to goal and managed, managed to turn, did kind of all the hard work. Yeah. Took it on the left, beautiful
0: first touch, pivoted on the right, right again. And then all Just she had to do, the shot wide. all she had to do was put it in the bottom left-hand corner. That was, you right. That yeah. was, that was the hardest part of the entire, that was the easiest part of the entire interaction.
1: Yeah. And then not long after that, Chelsea took the lead. And it was, the Chelsea goals were really interesting in a way because they were both really good goals but also massively avoidable from an Arsenal point of view. Do you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this because
0: those goals were avoidable if you've been paying attention to Chelsea for the last three years and who actually got
1: them there. Yeah, there's a certain type of genre of goal that is amazing but comes directly from probably an error from the other side. You see like, well, we'll talk about it in a minute, but there was a goal in the West Ham Man City game, which was like a complete error, absolutely gifted to Man City. They're goals but, that are foreshadowed. But they're almost like... Um,
0: they're foreshadowed. They are. You should have cleared this. You knew And the, the fact scores. that you
1: didn't, I'm so angry, I'm going to smash it in the top corner.
0: You're standing off Guru Raiten, 20 yards from oh. goal. Have you not watched this player? I think, and here's the funny thing, the thing I love about this game, from a neutral perspective is, the goal scorers are so old school in the sense of like G.C On and Guru Ryton drove Chelsea to that title a couple of years ago and kind of went down the pecking order since then. Guru Ryton in particular has begun in the pecking order and hasn't had that many games this year compared to the last two campaigns. And what I, I, I'm so happy with this for her because she's been shunted around a bit, central midfield, left-sided and just turns up and does the work, right? And is a bit unheralded, I think, outside Chelsea, or I think largely unheralded outside Chelsea. I don't think she gets quite the credit she deserves. And I was just thinking to myself, if that's, if that's Guru wright two years ago, she doesn't have that room. And it was like no, the yeah, corridor that- of space that was left. No, not because she's not an amazing player, but maybe people have forgotten what she can do if unsupervised.
1: But to be fair, there, it, there was a little, there was an overlap on the left-hand side and mm. Katie McCabe looked like she was going to move with that player, mm. where... Guru Wrighton was directly in front of her, but the thing is, then Kim Little drops in and kind of has Guru Wrighton covered. But the problem is the overlap, right? Momentarily, if you look at the the replay from behind the goal, both of them go with the runner. Yeah, and that, okay. and yeah, and it leaves a space because Kim Little doesn't make that decision to actually go to Guru Wrighton. She, I think, there's a there's a communication issue there because it looks like Kim Little is prepared to go with the runner almost behind Katie McCabe, right? To let Katie McCabe. Stick on Guru Wrighton because Katie McCabe was kind of split between two players at that point. Yes. But the problem is, Katie McCabe then steps away to the runner. Kim Little steps away to the runner as well. And it kind of just all opens up in front of Guru Wrighton.
0: Do you know I hesitate to use comparisons to the men's game, but I want to use it because it's an Arsenal comparison. Oh, the goal. Gonna, are you n- hurt no, the, the Henri goal uh, on the Henri Deco run for Perez against Leverkusen in the Champions yeah. League. When yeah, you just see to make the 70 yard thing and you just see that track open up. And yeah. you don't understand why the track is there until you see the overlap.
1: Yeah, but then Guru Wrighton has so much time that she's essentially cutting on her right, what, what you would usually use your right foot to go in the far corner.
0: But she can go across the keep, right, yeah.
1: But she, she has enough time to reshape her body to her favoured left foot and curl it away from Zinsberger into the far corner. It's yeah. a really, really beautiful goal.
0: And it should also never have happened. Exactly. It's a gorgeous finish, but for the ball to travel that distance in the air from that range there's been a sort of systemic failure.
1: Great point. Be- oh man, beautiful things that should never have happened. Yes. And a that similar thing. Stadio, that should be the stadio, that should
0: byline. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Childhood
0: was quite a beautiful thing, but anyway, um, a thing that should never, so, <laughs> <laughs> ha, <laughs> <just> <laughs> what, very what a self glow up. <laughs> <laughs> what a self glow up. Listen, if we don't love ourselves, we will listen. <laughs> we love ourselves first. But then the second goal, I think there's, um, I would say, this was less a systemic breakdown as opposed to a couple of individual failures. So you yeah, see, true. Yeah. very good first touch. Um, it was by Kerr getting into the box and the ball yeah. ran away from her.
1: Ball from, uh, driven free kick from deep from... A gorgeous mini-bike. first
0: touch, but two successive failures to clear the ball from Arsenal and then Gc Young gets it and the, what makes this goal is her second touch. So good. Leo Valti actually gets pretty good position on her. I think it's not the worst piece of defending, but the genius of this is the second touch. You've mentioned this before, Players taking a second touch to set themselves up mm. before they shoot. And this was one of the best sort of setup touches you'll see in a long, long time. Because Leo Velti's momentum and body position is actually really, really good. But the genius of it is GC On gets in a the half genius. step. Genius. Genius, <laughs> right? that. <laughs> G gets in this glorious like brush stroke of a second touch, almost on mm. the half volley to take it clear, and then rips it and from that range
1: so good edge of the box off the bar in rockets. oh the sound as well oh it was clean
0: (laughs) clean 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 clean. yeah I
1: mean obviously from an Arsenal point of view I was very disappointed with the result but the two great goals Mm. and to be honest I think Chelsea Chelsea were worthy winners it was always going to be difficult for Arsenal just where they're at where Chelsea are at and It could potentially, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure it will, but it could potentially slightly play into Arsenal's hands with the league stuff now. Just refocusing everything on the league effort Hmm. to the end of the season. Potentially Chelsea could get distracted by that final. You never know. But um, yeah, Chelsea thoroughly deserved to get through. And that, the two goals, like I say, like, they were both unbelievable finishes.
0: There's part of me that quite likes the idea of, the three trophies ending up with three different clubs. Yeah, same. Which is possible at this point. And I think, you know, Chelsea need this. They lost to City and that was um mm. a pretty grim loss to them in the League Cup, the Conti Cup final. So they'll be looking to I don't know, um what's the word, avenge
1: that defeat. And Oh yeah, I forgot. Like a rematch of the Yeah, this is the same the right. same as in the men's thing. Oh, I love that. When you get like the you know, mirrored finals. That's quite cool. Yeah,
0: very interesting. So yeah.
1: So yeah, they're gonna play Man City who beat West Ham four one. Ellen White open the scoring for Man City with a one of those lovely low rebounding diving headers. You know when like it's, you could probably volley it in. Yes. You could probably sat casually side foot it, but it's like, no, no, I'm going to do the whole, it's almost like a tuck and roll finish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> After Kira Walsh hit this absolutely unbelievable shot from outside the box, that just went straight, like rocketed off the bar. And Ellen White was just there like a poacher. Pure Ellen White poachers finish. We need on to talk about this
0: at some point a bit more. Defensive midfielders who have absolutely lethal shots from distance who don't really unleash them as much as they could. There's a whole subgenre of that. Because not every defence midfielder's got it in them. No. But it's almost like they release it now and again just to show you they can. Sophie Ingle's like that. You know, like certain players, they just they're just packing absolute <laughs> <laughs> They
1: got the scorcher there, yeah. Um, Chloe Kelly got on the score sheet, gave City a two only. non-league. That was massive for her after a huge injury. Yeah. That she had. She's back now. She's, there's a place up for grabs for the Euros. We talked about it in depth on Wrighty's house, but yeah, just really happy for her that she's got back on the score sheet. And then two lovely goals from Lauren Hemp yep. came after Lisa Evans had scored a lovely one to get one back for West Ham before halftime and kind of made it interesting because that was 2-1 at half time. Went around the keeper, casually side-footed at home, but City were just too good. City were too good. That's, that's, that's yeah. that, that one for Chloe Kelly played across the box.
0: Can I be honest with you? I'm glad that the scoreline was actually a bit more decisive. Because I just didn't want that to be the decisive
1: goal, the second one. The no, yeah, I agree. That, that's why yeah, I, yeah. I, I was a
0: bit happier that they actually kind of scored um, a couple after that. If that's if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, Lauren Hemp's goals were actually like almost carbon copies. They were, yeah, classical like finishes, really as well. beautiful, driven side foot into the bottom f- far bottom far hand corner. You know those like training ground finishes where you're like
0: that player has executed that like hundred times out of hundred
1: yeah it's just like just, it's, oh, yeah this is automatic. This is, this is routine that, always, uh, that just reminds me of total total tangent it's not like Stadio to do that of course yeah. <laughs> oh god on NBA 2K on career mode when you're doing practice and you can kind of do shooting drills they right. have all these like sound bites that come in that you know are trying to build the atmosphere of you know a practice and there was always just one that makes me laugh so much when you start getting on a roll and you just hear this kind of go this guy go ooh that's automatic <laughs> oh, Love it. that's automatic and I was thinking like Lauren Hemp's finishes were very much, I, I heard that guy in my head. Oh, I oh love it's it. automatic. It's automatic. Would it be
0: amazing to hear a commentator like use that kind of terminology just in a big game?
1: Ah, uh, automatic. Automatic. Yeah, from, Hemp. When, uh, do you know what? When this new, when the new generation of commentators break through. Oh my God, it's going to be incredible. It'd be so good, man. If we had like, if we, in fact, this should be, this should be amazing. You now they used to have like alternative commentary on BBC. You used to be able to, I'm not sure if you can still do it because we haven't lived in the UK for a while. We used to be able to switch the commentary to the radio commentary. Oh wow! Because okay. it was all within the same, mm. you know, company. It'd be so good if they had like, you know, you can either have Guy Mowbray and I don't know, Danny Murphy, yeah. or you can have two up-and-coming commentators in their twenties who are going to drop like TikTok references in the football in the in the commentary.
0: That is brilliant. That's brilliant as an
1: idea. Like, imagine if you were watching a commentary and and uh, there was this really amazing move opened up and it looked like it was on, and then it broke down super quickly, and you had just like these two. Two Gen Z commentators would be like, oh that move was over quicker than Kanye West and Julia Fox. Oh I mean, my god! Something like that. And oh you just like, oh, shit. No. <laughs> 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 if, any, if any TV broadcasting network needs help in uh, recruiting some new... Folks you know what's
0: hilarious? Twitter would eat that up.
1: Can you oh imagine? God, You'd have this hilarious it?
0: thing and be like, "Oh my god, did you just hear that piece of commentary?" And as well, well as it the like, game, it'd be so it was funny. It's like
1: when Ian dropped the the Loki thing on the Euros last year, and just we. I was like, "My mind is still in, blown." Signed into Twitter, and I was just like, "Musa, have you checked Twitter?" Because <laughs> I are like, to drop another t- Loki reference, I can't like believe the over timeline. That. He bombed the timeline. <laughs> <I> was just <laughs> like, no, there's a Nexus event. <laughs> That was a game-changing anyway,
0: moment. I can't believe he did that. Still, it's too funny.
1: There you go. Hire young. Not not that we want to put any commentators out of a job because there are some great commentators out yeah, there. Yeah, it would course, be great to have. You know, if you have, if you then you can pick what you want. You don't get all of this. You know, there's always like this horrible discourse when a commentator gets replaced. Mm. You can have both. Like you know, for example, if you employ, I mean, it means that the TV companies are then doubling their spend, but they can, they've got the money. They do have. They the can money. pay all that money for the for the Premier League. For the engagement can, as well. The exactly. engagement. Yeah. Have, you can pick your commentary, like classic or, you know, vibes mode. Vibes
0: mode would be the best. That'd be the best.
1: Activate vibes mode. Press a red button for vibes mode now. certain games, because you know, actually,
0: vibes mode, when games are either super chaotic or super dull, mm. the vibes mode would be the one because it would provide entertainment and just raise the level because it could just become a kind of social experiment if it was completely dull. Yeah. if it was chaotic they'd just like match the chaos perfect yeah also
1: vibes it. mode dreadful boy band <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'd listen to it
1: of course <laughs> you would <laughs> 1993 musa i definitely listen to it without question oh what's this oh it's just my vibes mode cd oh sorry <laughs> <Let> me- <laughs> all right let's talk about a couple of other games monday night there was <laughs> wild scenes in serie A. napoli against roma finished one all Lorenzo Insigne had a penalty early on to put Napoli ahead. Gorgeous penalty, yeah. It was a lovely penalty. And then um, in the 79th minute, the referee came over to the bench and Jose thought he was in trouble. Hoped. He'd seen this level, movie before. At some yeah, level, deep hoped down, he was in trouble. <laughs> deep down, he was just like, please let it be me, please let it be me. It's like watching the lottery numbers come out one by one. <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> Is the ref going to send me off? The goalkeeper, the goalkeeper got a red, right? He came, yeah, Daniel Fazzato got sent off and Jose just grinned. And, did, and
0: didn't look, and didn't look that upset at all. Was like, was almost uh, like, I had that coming. Like sheepish. Yeah. <laughs> There's YouTube videos when like, cats and dogs get caught stealing extra food yeah. and the looks on their faces of like, yeah, okay, that was a bit much. It was exactly that energy. Like, it was guilty. <laughs> guilty animal energy. Even though he's still doing the spitting cobra, there's been a slight relaxation in his outlook and Roma's form has slightly improved. Or I don't know, I just look at the Europa League, right? The Bodo return and they mm-hmm. just dealt with them in this, this time in the Europa League. And they've put together some decent performances in Serie A. I have to say with this game in particular, so Tammy got a great assist for El Suari's very, very late equaliser. Tammy also missed a very good chance at diving header earlier on. Yeah, he did. And the look on his face, because they do some great slow-mos in Serie A, the look of existential dread on his face when he misses that. So I'm glad he came back with the assist. But about Napoli more broadly, this unfortunately is why I don't think they'll be champions. They're lost to Fiorentina and they've to close this out. We've just seen this too many times this season. I don't say this out of any wish to jinx them. I say it because Napoli of all, of the three teams, of the one team, or well, the three teams who are really in it primarily and Juventus just behind. Of the three teams and that's of top three, they're the ones who most consistently fail to close out. They just can't get these, get these wins done. Like a team that was a championship contender gets four points from six. They've got one from six. And that's just not mm. good enough.
1: I mean, to be honest though, I think the primary objective for Napoli is to get in the Champions League. Oh yeah. yeah They've they yeah. so, they missed out so narrowly on it last season. Was it just a point they were finished behind Juve, I think? In the uh,
0: was it Genoa? They got the last day draw, the nil-nil <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. That Which was all it was. Them yeah.
1: through. So if they can get back in the Champions League this year, yeah, obviously they would have hoped to push a little further for the title. And they still might do it. I mean, there are only four there's only four points in it. There. There's five games to play. Mm. I just can't really see Inter and Milan both dropping enough points to let Napoli over overtake both of them. Atalanta also lost on Monday to Hellas Verona at home two one. They were two 0 down and got a late goal. But this on paper, I think, after the amount of that people have hyped Atalanta over the last couple of years might look like a massive upset, but Hellas are right behind them in the table. And they've, and been, not, they've been and
0: they've, demonic. They've had some yeah, big Corona results. Taken, they've <laughs> taken points off so yeah. many people. Yeah, they've
1: had some big results this year. Elsewhere on Monday night, Barcelona lost 1-0 at home to a heavily rotated Cadiz side. I mean, there's a heavily rotated Barcelona side as well. Uh, Lucas Perez getting the only goal of the game just after halftime. And to be honest, they could have been ahead earlier. Lucas Perez missed an absolute sitter in the first half. This game was weird though, because Barca... Barca looked scared, I thought, when they had the ball. Maybe bar Dembele. I thought Dembele... I think Kevin Williams talked about this. What a turnaround now that you're essentially referring to Dembele and the rest. He was trying to really open the game up in the first half. But, I mean, it's a weird one because that's, that's, that's probably like... Two and a half, three defeat, like three games in a row now. That Barcelona have looked really, really, really disappointing under under Javi, and it's and that early, I think we said literally it must have been a matter of weeks ago Mm. that we didn't think Barcelona would be this this fun to watch so soon after Messi going. But I think what we've hit here is a bit of that natural plateau where you, all of the all of the expectation is kind of gone. Mm. Everyone's free to play, and then all of a sudden the expectation comes back but maybe a little bit sooner than you imagine and how players deal with that shifting. I think
0: something else is going on. I think that's absolutely right. That's happening, I think. I think something else is happening too. I think first the Eintracht defeat was hurt quite harrowing yeah, because they were doing some exciting things. They were on a really exciting run and Eintracht kind of like clamped them. They put on the clamps. The other thing that's happening is that, you know, some of those players are getting old at Barca. Yeah, And I think, you know, you saw that against Eintracht. Busquets is great in the right system, but if one or two pieces are missing and the gaps appear, then Busquets' athleticism gets exposed, which is natural. That's just, you know, attacking systems. And it really speaks to squad depth and also speaks to the recruitment to be made in the summer because Xavi's playing a system for which he doesn't quite have the perfect players in terms of squad depth. Mm. So this now, you look at these defeats, you're like, well, this is why Frank Kessier is going to be such a great addition to Barca because he allows Barca to have a a fully mobile midfield so you may not have someone who's a fixed point like Busquets who distributes no one distributes like that but the wise thing about buying someone like Kessier is you can divide up the defensive duties and just give you more consistent cover
1: it also gives you a chance to maybe loan out Nico because I think Nico could benefit with having a real solid year of football under his belt but I don't think he's ready to perform that role at all yet at Barcelona yeah right right. I agree I agree I agree but maybe in a loan within La Liga somewhere might be good if they have someone like a Cassier in there it just gives them a little bit more options I mean it's worth pointing out that obviously Barca were without Pedri and also they had Gerard Piquet missing they were also without Ronaldo Raojo because he was suspended you would say in theory that they still should be putting Cadiz away however since Cadiz returned to, the, to La Liga they've played Barcelona four times they've won twice they've drawn twice they're unbeaten against Barcelona since they've returned to La Liga and they've also taken points off Real Madrid right they were in the relegation zone before the game. They're now out of the relegation zone.
0: This is the league, this is the league of exorcism, isn't it? <laughs> it
1: really Levante really and is.
0: Cadiz, they were, they were gone. <laughs> yeah,
1: It's amazing, really, if you think about it now. Levante is still are still right down there. I mean, you know, you've know, got Alaves and Levante on 25 points, Mallorca on 29. But
0: the direction of travel for Levante, the direction of travel is
1: interesting. Yeah, I mean, two wins in the last three for Levante, That's which is big. Yeah. But then you had Alaves beating Rio Vallecano In their last game as well. Mallorca had that win over Atleti two games ago. They're all kind of starting to pick up points, you know. But for for Cadiz, they've only lost one of the last four in the league. Two wins and a draw in the other three. But I think for Barca, they were never going to catch Real Madrid. No. Real Madrid can win the league this weekend. They're probably going to be okay for the Champions League. They've got a game in hand on Sevilla and Atleti below them. They're all on the same amount of points.
0: I think Barca just really focus on second place at this point and try not to let the noise about the Eintracht Frankfurt defeat get in their heads too much and blemish this end of the season. I think that, I still think that the Cadiz defeat is not as bad as the Eintracht Frankfurt because Eintracht Frankfurt saw them out-thought over two legs. Yeah, And that, 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 I think that's the bigger, I think if anything, they could take back. That's the kind of, um, what I will say about Barca I've seen a couple of times is, I don't know if it's a sluggish start to games. It's a game management issue. I'm not sure what that is. Um, Mm -hmm maybe the intensity of start games isn't ideal. And that's like Chavi's ideology is still taking full root. I think consistently. Mm. I think that when the problem is when they get wrong footed, they don't always seem to have that uh, that muscle memory yet. That's yeah, yeah this is this is not a team with muscle memory because they haven't won anything. It's not even like the, you know, the Copa, at least, you know, Koeman won the Copa del Rey or something. They had that win. This is not a muscle memory team yet. Uh, I'm sure Chavi will give them that, but for now they're still working it out
1: for sure I mean there's more noise off the pitch of Barca so a couple of weeks ago long story short you may have seen Spanish Football Federation released a statement saying that they'd had documents and stuff hacked which I think
0: can I say hacked hacked football documents in the Iberian Peninsula has not traditionally been injected into <laughs> my goddamn
1: veins. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's customary from a different region, region, but I just want an apérol spritz. I want to be sat on a porch, <laughs> and I want those allegations it's just true. fed to me.
0: It's something about... Fed to be Can I just say, I'm not trying to look. I'm just not no, dis, no disrespect to any other part of the world, right? No, but your leaked documents do not have the source of leaked documents from that part of the world. It's just it hits different.
1: So this comes from Gerard Piquet's company, Cosmos, their involvement with closing the deal or bringing the deal together between the Spanish Football Federation and taking the Spanish Super Cup to Saudi Arabia. The deal was worth 240 million euros over the six seasons. Compared to what the Spanish Super Cup used to make, it is a, a gigantic amount of money. It was also part of, the, part of the reason why the format got expanded. El Confidencial, the Spanish publication leaked some audio recordings on Monday and uh, there is some pretty icky stuff involved. Mm. Now we have to, I'm not sure we need to, but we should clarify that this is obviously all allegations. There's been stuff come out. You can hear it for yourself. You can read it for yourself. JRPK responded, which we'll touch on, but all of this stuff initially, we have to point out, looks like it's not actually illegal. So according to people who are more aware of the the legal ramifications of something like this. Piqué actually hasn't broken the law, nor is the Spanish Football Federation, I don't think. But what has been revealed was basically that Piqué's company, Cosmos, it was widely known already that they were an intermediary for this deal. It was made clear at the time that they didn't receive any payment or commission for it. And it's now been revealed that the clip reveals or suggests that they have.
0: It turns out actually that his company took a large commission mm-hmm. from this, from arranging this, from brokering this deal. But this is the thing. So P.K. I think he's founder and president of Cosmos Investment Firm, and they've done some really innovative things. They restructure the Davis Cup tennis, which is like, you know, it's a really groundbreaking deal. And mm-hmm.
1: they also took the, because uh, it's co-founded with, uh, I think the CEO of Rakuten and they took yes, Rakuten yes, yes. to yes. Barcelona as a sponsorship deal.
0: And so, yeah, so PK has been involved in stuff like that before. I think the challenge here, the issue here that I have, I would say, is you start looking at conflicts of interest. This is it, yeah. And this is the thing, because what you're doing is you've basically got a footballer and these could be inadvertent conflicts, but I think the fact that PK knew this might be sensitive is why this deal was, elements of this deal were covered in secrecy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's why Rubiales went on the radio a couple of years ago and said that they were paid no commission when they were. And maybe he meant that the federation didn't pay him any directly commission, because I think it was paid directly from... Um, the company in Saudi Arabia who organised it.
0: And I think it's because, I think it's not just, you know, Saudi Arabia, obviously in the news at the moment as a place where investment has been considered questionable, just given um, some of the human rights issues emerged from there, but also I think in relation to the conflicts of interest, so regardless of the country where this is being organised, you have a footballer. Essentially, how do I say it? It's something feels a bit off about having a player organising the movements of clubs. You're organising a thing where you work around my schedule and my club schedule, but it just feels instinctive like there could be a conflict there. And maybe in this specific situation, it might have been okay, but there's a kind of thing where, because it's a relatively new thing, a new situation, I think there needs to be some kind of ruling against it because... You know, the whole thing about conflicts is not just the conflicts that are conscious, but it's also the appearance of conflicts. Mm. Because the challenge I have is when you're basically bankrolling or organizing favorable conditions for your club, which aren't available to other clubs, which they might want to say in. So I guess that's kind of where I come from it. It may not be that in this case, PK might get away with it, but the fact that he was a little secretive about it means that he may have felt himself it was sailing close to the
1: wind. Well, I think he absolutely knew that. I think Gerard Piquet is a very smart dude. He was born into wealth. He has been a very successful businessman. He's built, you know, I think he, you can acknowledge that he's been really good at that. And he's clearly got a career post-football where he will be at executive level somewhere. You know, he, like this guy is probably almost absolutely nailed on to be Barcelona president at some mm-hmm. point. The thing with this is that, you know, for example, Cosmos, his 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 company, they they bought the league uh, TV rights for Spain as soon as Messi went there. You know, this is a sh- he's a shrewd dude, but also he, it's quite weird in a way. Someone who has very, very often come out and said things like, you know, been very pro fan and almost like almost like a semi football socialist, while being this massive like businessman behind the scenes. It's hmm. quite a weird, weird thing. I mean, he's basically Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> But he, um, the, the couple of things that are mainly at issue here is that, uh, I, I took this from Dermot Corrigan's piece in The Athletic, he's got a really good explainer about it that you can go and check. Article 24 of the Federation Statutes does not allow for third parties to be paid commissions for negotiating agreements on the Federation's behalf. Rubiales denied Cosmos were getting paid by the Spanish FA. Another concern, Dermot says, is Article 22 of the federation statutes, which is designed to prevent even the impression of any conflicts of interest between those taking part in tournaments as Pique did, and those deciding on how they are run. So I think there are a couple of things that I find a little bit icky about this anyway. The fact that you have an active player of one of the sides who's pretty much guaranteed to be there all the time, negotiating higher fees for those sides and kind of playing the whole like tell them if they don't pay 10 million for Real Madrid and Barcelona then Real Madrid's not going to come, for example. Like this whole just like, don't worry about it. It's just, it's weird to hear that kind of thing, (laughs) but also just hearing someone like Gerald Pique being that chummy at an op, at an executive level with the head of the Spanish FA but in a non-football sense this is a purely business sense that's quite weird now PK went on TikTok uh, sorry went on Twitch after the barcelona Cadiz game and basically said there's no conflict of interest I'm easy you know I'm paraphrasing but basically the, the the long and short of it was I know how to separate the two it doesn't affect my football and that's like well yeah cool but you should kind of know better than this you know, this is the thing about PK. Like, I think that it's just going to make more noise when Barcelona and him, they don't need any more noise at the moment.
0: Also that thing of like, that thing of like, I can separate them. It's actually not about him. It's about, you shouldn't it's have that discretion. Else. shouldn't yeah. have that discretion. Let's no. say, let's say that you have... Um,
1: but also it's just, it's about morality and ethics at the, at, at the Spanish Football Federation as well, yeah. right? And they should just be like, this is great in theory. And yeah, we really need the money, but you cannot be a part of this.
0: No, you can't. You're organised, let's say you're organising, let's say another example, so you're, you're a footballer who basically like brings in a load of money. Let's say you're kind of some of the name else profile and you swap a tournament from being hosted in, let's say Europe, to South Korea because you know you've got a bigger market there. So when you go there, you can do more promotion activities. So you basically get the tournament hosted somewhere else so you can benefit directly and that disadvantages everyone else just for you, like for personal benefit. And I think this is my issue with it. It's, you shouldn't be like a corporate playmaker at that level.
1: because well, you're, you're still Because your,
0: your interests aren't going to align with the interests of the sport as a whole necessarily. They're not necessarily going to do that. So yeah, that's my issue with that, I guess.
1: No, I agree. I think we're going to see what happens here because this might just blow over really quickly or it might lead to more serious consequences. So I think it's something that we have to have to follow. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. But yeah, I thought it we was worth raising that. And obviously, whoever your favourite Spanish football people are, they will no doubt have some stuff on that that you can go and read on. Yeah. We haven't even talked about Erling Haaland, apparently going Man City, but much like the Eric Ten Hag thing, maybe we'll hold off a little bit until it's all official. Yeah. As you know, we yeah. don't like jumping the gun. We do not. Uh, anything else we need to talk about? Or should we, should we get out of here? I think we're good. Let's bounce. We're we good? Yeah, let's do it. All right, then. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, obviously getting vaccinated if you can. Hope you're enjoying the little rejigged ringer fc schedule over the next couple of weeks keep you on your toes exactly i mean to be honest it keeps us on our toes as well <laughs> uh don't forget righty's house will be up thursday morning uk time Wright's house will again be on monday and then stadio thursday and friday next week don't forget to check stadio outros plays on spotify speaking of which we're playing out on let your spirits be free by ron everett anything you want to add me to nothing further lovely let's get out of it it's late yes it uh, much love everyone we'll see you next week See you then.